You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. As you walk down the steps of the tavern's main hall, you see, sitting at the table where you were last night, uh, your three wonderful hosts for this episode of Systematic Geekology. I am TJ Blackwell, Tiberius Wan, uh, as I am sometimes known as, uh, Black John Black the Warrior, uh, Tiberius Turnskull. I've gone by many names. I'm joined today by Christian Ashley and uh, Father Jonathan. Uh, you've both been on my show, The Whole Church Podcast. Christian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and D&D. If okay. you haven't gathered by this point, that is, we're doing D&D today. Let's see. Um, I am a writer in North Carolina right now. I'm about to go in the fall to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I start my first semester there. As far as D&D is concerned, I got my start in my junior year no senior year of college had a friend willing to dm there it was 4e at the time i've since moved on to 5e uh, i've dm'd a couple of times i've been a player so just all around i really love playing the game all right and father jonathan if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and you know your experience with dnd so uh my, my name's father jonathan i'm the priest uh at the Greek Orthodox Cathedral of Holy Trinity in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I actually, I'm, I'm relatively new to D&D, but it's been a wonderful experience. It started as a uh, pre-pandemic. One of my parishioners invited me to come and play, and we were doing it in person. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, and we had to stop doing it in person for obvious reasons. Uh, but that o- opened up the opportunity uh, for us to, to move it online, which allowed us to actually connect with some of his friends that he knew from overseas when he was living overseas. And so we've uh, had a campaign going now since then, um, and uh, it's still going strong. We still have the same characters, uh, which is pretty amazing after you know nearly two years. Uh, we meet uh, online um, still once uh, once once every other week. Uh, usually on Friday nights where we are, and then a couple of the guys are overseas, and ones I think in Singapore, and ones in New Zealand, and there's been other guys that have joined from the states and other parts of the states. So it really becomes like an international affair. Uh, so that it was an opportunity for us to like connect and have like uh, like meaningful friendships in the midst, midst of the pandemic. But it's really become a nice, uh, like, you know, bi-weekly ritual for us to, you know, we start off by chatting, getting caught up in each other's lives, and then we get to really delve deeply into it. Uh, the, uh, we were, before we started, we were joking about, like, light, liking to sit in the dark, and that's how I like to play. Turn off all the lights, sit in front of the computer. Um, we use the D&D Beyond uh, so that we're all on the up and up with with uh, dice rolls and everything like that. But it's just that for me, it was been, it's been a great community building experience, uh, especially for someone who's so busy, doesn't have a lot of free time or, or capacity to make connections just because of how busy I am. It's really nice to have like a group of friends, even though we're so far apart, to stay connected. Yeah, that's that's one thing I feel as been like a, a major upswing in D&D's favor, you know, just kind of in general. Uh, 
being able to play online, which personally, not for me. I tried it. I tried it for our patrons, actually. I just can't do it. I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea. But it is an incredible tool if you guys don't live somewhere convenient. And D&D is already a scheduling nightmare in person. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what it's like trying to schedule with people in several different time zones. Yeah, that's what I'm having to deal with right now. I'm a player in this one, but uh, some old college friends, we just started a campaign a year ago, and we're only able to play like once a month. Mm-hmm. And that's on this Saturday, maybe the first Saturday, maybe the third, maybe the fifth, if that exists. So it's, it's rough to get the schedule, but it's so much, so rewarding. Oh, yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. One of the one of the yeah. nice things that we've had is like if, if our, our schedules don't work out, the D, the DM that runs the main campaign will like, you know, wing it. But like he, he really has fun with it. Like if one of us like flakes because something comes up, he usually makes one of us go through an experience. My character is currently battling uh, major mental illness because of his time alone in a swamp for several months because I was <laughs> I was out of the picture for a little while, but I've incorporated that into my character and his choices, which is always fun. Uh, but then we also do one-offs, like if, if a handful, like if the DM can't make it, uh, one of the other guys is like a really great DM, so he does these like little side quests. Uh, we use different characters, of course, but um, well, I will run these like side quests that run one or two weeks or something like that, uh, just to keep us together, to keep the connection alive, so. Yeah, yeah. So the that's not too far off from like the bulk of my D and D experience. Uh, I have one big group of guys. There's seven of us, and we just started. Well, when we started, there were only three of us, but uh, this was pre-pandemic at in college, North Greenville. Uh, my friend Josh just decided he wanted to try running a D and D campaign because he was in one for a little while. Thought it was really fun. And, you know, me, one of my other friends, we were like, yeah, we would love to do that. Sure. So our plan was to just do five sessions, wrap up this one story in five sessions. Uh, But each session was like, I think the shortest one was seven hours long. And the longest one was like 14. That one was rough. We've played longer since then. But that one was really rough. And uh, we would just play every other week. And we managed to tell a campaign's worth of stories in you know two months or like 10 i can't do math it's like two and a half months but it was incredible and once things settled down a little we realized we all liked it you know more people joined uh we realized we wanted to do this a lot more often so that story was already concluded so we couldn't do anything except for make a sequel obviously of course have characters related to the characters from the first campaign, but do it on a weekly basis. And we did that for a little while. Uh, I am proud to say that I'm the only person who hasn't had a character die. Technically, <laughs> technically, he sacrificed his life to bring everyone else back. That doesn't count, though. That's different. He wasn't killed. But D&D is, if you haven't played it, if you're listening to this episode, you've never played it. Find a way to play. Go on Roll20 or D&D Beyond, find a campaign to get into, find some friends, try and run it. It's really not as hard as it seems. I've done, I do it not often, but I do it. Christian does it. It's really not as hard as it seems. Uh, there are so many different ways to play. I think it might be the perfect group game. That being said, if you don't like 
randomness as in <laughs> how effective you are at something being determined randomly don't play this game either that or look up how to avoid that and and play a rogue in 5e at least maybe convince your dm to, talent yeah convince your dm to let you start at level 10 or 12 <laughs> whenever they get it just so you never fail anything again but if you haven't played it and you're not quite sure what we're talking about so far, I commend you for staying until this point uh, when I explain really what the game is. Because, you know, why not? Someone might not know. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. We're, we're past the satanic panic, what have you. Stranger Things has popularized the game. Uh, Critical Role has popularized the game. Basically, you create a fantasy character... Someone else creates a fantasy story, or you buy one that was pre-written, and you just play through it however you want with all your friends, or a few of your friends. I feel like anything past six players is usually too many, but some people can make it work. I can't. I tried to write a very short one-shot for some people who had never played before, but there were eight of them. It took like five hours. It yeah, was the most tragic. I've ever had is five. Yeah. Yeah, so to me, eight, that's too many. Five, I think, is the sweet spot, actually. Most resources plan for four. Five is perfect. Five is so much better. Plus, it gets a little easier, usually. But, uh, you know, I know, you know, you're not supposed to play favorites with your children. But, Christian, do you have a favorite one of your D&D characters? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it may be cliche, but he's my first. That was... uh. Uh, Dr. Kilian M.D., the uh, high elf uh, evocation wizard. He was uh, a devotee of Ayun and was just setting out on the path to stop Vecna in his tracks and just had a ton of fun playing him, learning the mechanics of the game. I kind of wish I'd played him in 5e instead, but you know what? 4e is what it is. Not to knock anyone who really loves it, but yeah, he'd be my favorite. And I'd say my second favorite would be uh, Jesse Carnivorous, that was my uh, ASMR paladin, uh, pretending a girl pretending to be a, a boy until that was found out halfway through. Yeah, my, my ASMR paladin's name is Kaladin. <laughs> Kaladin the Paladin. Yep, that's his, ti- that's his official title, is Kaladin the Paladin. Very good nice. in universe title. Uh, Father Jonathan, you think so? You've only had one, or yeah. you've had a couple. So I had, uh, so we, I made a makeshift, uh, duplicate of one. Uh, so the, the main character I use, and it's been two years and he's still going strong despite his, uh, traumatic experiences and swamps is Lorcan Fewin. He's a high elf, uh, wizard. He, uh, he's a scholar, uh, who spent his whole life studying books, but always wanted an adventure. And, uh, and he, he joins a ragtag group of, Guys that sometimes uh, filter through and, you know, some guys join in and some guys leave. Um, he's had a lot of, uh, a lot of struggles. He, uh, he wasn't totally alone in the wilderness, uh, for that period of time. He was with our, our bard who joined us. He was a non-playing character. Uh, his name was Timothy Bumwhistle. And, uh, unfortunately, Timothy met his end during that time away, but somehow he lives on in the mind of Lorcan. Uh, and Lorcan, as well as every other member of uh, our campaign, is terribly uncharismatic. 
But when I sing, I can channel Timothy Bumwhistle and gain advantage. Oh yeah, in my charism. Yeah, so. that's that's another great part of D and D. There are tons of rule books. You don't have to follow any of those. You mm-hmm. can make up whatever you want. And then that just happens because you're in charge. Well, the DM's in charge, but talk to the DM. See what you can see. We can get done. For for me personally, you guys both chose wizards. I think that's weird. But wizards <laughs> a fun class. It's not the first class I would have played, but it's definitely a good one. I don't know about four E. Four E scares me. I'm not gonna play it. There's a whole lot of numbers going on in there. You're right to be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Five E is nice. 3.5 is nice for a different reason. But I'm a big 5e guy. Oh, that's where we play all of our games. But my favorite character so far, he's currently alive. He's now a deity in our, you know, overarching campaign universe. Quite the promotion. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty nice. Uh, he was orphaned at the young age of zero. Uh, <laughs> he's an Aarakocra gunslinger, which is just an awesome, awesome class. Uh, it is a homebrew class. Unfortunately, I might see if I can find the link and have it set up for, you know, put it in the show notes just for whoever wants to check it out. It might be a little broken. I definitely have play tested it to death. And sometimes it feels a little broken, but I'm, I'm a big fan of big numbers. And, you know, John Black is his name. I feel like I skipped that. I mentioned it at the beginning, but his name is John Black. I got really lazy with that one. Got to be honest. My my full name is Thomas John Blackwell. Uh not related. Yeah. But man, he had an ability that would let him add an extra set of damage dice for expending a grip point. By the end I had six grip points, and my regular weapon attacks were uh three D ten damage. So you can see how that would get pretty unfair pretty quick. Uh I think one attack he did four hundred and something damage. That's just a regular attack. It was a crit, but it was still just a regular attack. Mm. So that's, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm a huge fan of exploiting the system, believe it or not. And if your DM's okay with that, do it. Because a good DM will exploit it against you too. Yeah, for sure. I will. I absolutely will. <laughs> I've done some horrendous things to players, and I don't feel sorry. The stat blocks are just guidelines anyways. Yeah. Yeah, you can change literally every facet of the game. That being said, Father Jonathan, you've already talked about what kind of, like, what keeps you in this game, like, why you play it. What about you, Christian? I mean, the socialization is a huge part of that, too. And, I mean, it's just simple escapism at the end of the day. You know, life sucks. I mean, and I am, you know, grateful for friends and family I have. I'm grateful for the church I have. But every now and then... You need to get into a movie. You need to get into a game together with people. And D&D provides all of that. I get to be someone I could never be in real life. Someone way smarter than me. You know, someone way more charismatic than me or stronger than me. And that really appeals to me. So it just brings a lot of comfort in the midst of chaos. Yeah. In the midst of chaos calls in the game, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's that is like. One of the very few things I find unfortunate about this role-playing game, you can pretend to have whatever stat, but it is really hard to pretend you're a charismatic character with no real-life charisma. (laughs) 
thankfully the game kind of takes over at that point and lets you succeed, but man, it does get rough. You know, you can just say you picked up the mountain and it goes through, but you can't just pretend you persuaded this person, you know, until it's done. And then you actually do pretend it worked. But I do have uh, another character specific question. Uh, you both had favorite characters. They were both wizards. Does anyone want to showcase their favorite character's voice? The only voices I have are mine and slightly British. And neither one of them used that. Mm. Mm. That's, that, that's valid, too. That's a valid way to play the game. Not everybody is a voice actor. And it's a lot easier after a few hours to just use your own voice. I think uh, over the years, Lorcan has uh, changed a little bit. He went from he uh, he lives in his head a lot more now, and he kind of just acts without speaking much. Um, but he started off as kind of bumb- a bumbling scholar, so he 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 would he would do this a lot, and and uh, and, uh, and 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 and, and uh, uh, he was very unsure of himself. And now he speaks quite quickly, um, but most of his speech is through action, and sometimes it's through randomly. Uh, Blasting off his most powerful attack at the most inopportune times, um, but he—he's uh, a little more matter of fact now. So if you ask him something like Lorcan, "What are you doing?" He'll be like, "Whatever, I'm doing this. I'll be back. All right. Ah, oh, shucks." It's very like a very simple miss uh, to him. I don't go crazy with accents or anything like that because I think all my accents sound the same. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. I, uh, it's pretty easy to get mixed up in an accent. And uh, I had, long story short, my first character, possessed by Tiamat, had to play a stand-in until we could get him back. The new character, I was like, well, I guess I'll make him Irish, because he was a gnome. Uh, at some point, I mixed up Irish and uh, Australian. And after that happened a couple times, I just really leaned into it. So now his manner of speaking is, you know, Irish, Canadian, and Australian. <laughs> so at this point, it just sounds kind of unique, you know. There's, I love it. It's really not a whole lot of people who notice what I'm doing, right? But, you know, every once in a while, uh, the bud will slip out and we go over there, eh? And it's just, this game is perfect because no one cares. It's whatever you want it to be. If it's funny, it's funny. John Black, my favorite character of all time, was just an Aziz Ansari impersonation. <laughs> Perfect. And it got worse, like, over time. Wow. I just got worse at it as we played. So now he sounds unique. <laughs> but I, I think I used to have a pretty good Aziz Ansari impersonation. I don't anymore. It's, it's John very, Black's like, loud, high pitched voice. Yeah, it's just like I can't even do it anymore. Now, now it's just John to me. Mm-hmm. But I cannot say enough good things about D and D as a whole. I'm so glad it's getting more popular. It is the best tool for like social networking with your friends, long distance. In my opinion, if you can play online, I personally can't. I think most people are okay with it, though, from what I've read and seen. I prefer physical, like with most everything, but like if it's the only way, I'm game. 
our DM has a tabletop, so that helps a lot. So you can like set up the maps and stuff like that and characters and we do a lot of stuff in Discord. Uh, it's easier than setting up tabletop. Sometimes it's nice that he just like creates the maps and the characters and moves them through. It's helpful in visualization a little bit. You don't get that necessarily in the, in, in person. Um, but, uh, but it, there's just something unique about it. And it said most of my D and D experience has been online. So I'd love to find some, uh, opportunities to do it in person again. But yeah, it is, it's a lot harder to find an in person game nowadays, especially since the pandemic. That kind of put a break on a lot of people's campaigns. I know we're getting kind of normalized again. Uh, we during the pandemic just said, that's fine. If we get COVID, we'll just live together for a couple weeks. <laughs> and that, that was just the risk we took. And everyone got it but me, which I thought was a fantastic development from that weekend. Yes, I am so intelligent. Uh, John Black's intelligence was a seven. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's out of 20. <laughs> Average is supposed to be eight. I thought it was 10. No, 10 is like slightly above, if I remember correctly. I may be conflicting with different editions. Who knows? Oh, uh, yeah. Just and, and 5e, I'm pretty sure average is 10s straight across because they didn't want to get too complicated. John was very stupid. <laughs> but he one knew our, how to shoot. Uh, one, of our, one of our characters in our campaign is a, uh, uh, a Warforged, and he was very dumb, but there was an, a moment when we went through a portal and somehow he got to, and we got to choose certain points. And for some reason, uh, uh, Hayden, who, uh, who, who, who you, that's his character, decided he was going to like put it into intelligence. And, uh, and so now he's, so now he has this thing where he like, I read it in a book somewhere. And that's his, and, uh, and he, and he like, he, he starts to like to lead the charge and, and trying to like negotiate things, but he's still like not intelligent. But he's more intelligent than he was. So yeah. it's a yeah. lot of fun. You have to respect him. Yeah. You have to at least be proud of him now. Yeah. Yeah, John never got that because I'm a filthy min-maxer. I always put those <laughs> points where they go best. <laughs> yeah. No, Gunslinger wasn't cutting it for me, so I multiclassed into Monk, so my AC would be higher. It's another reason none of my characters have died. I'm surprised my uh, Lorcan hasn't because he's, I mean, he's a glass cannon. He's got like... Low health points starting out. Uh, it was like I think it was like thirteen or something when I started, and then I could, I can't wear armor because I'm I'm, I'm a, a wizard. So yeah, he was uh, basically it's uh, the the guys like would huddle around me and protect. It was like let's protect Lorcan and let him fire off his shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a good plan. That's another thing D and D is great at is team building. It's you know it's a more difficult team building exercise than most, but. As far as coordination goes, working together on a battlefield where your lives are on the line, it does not get more team-oriented than that. Or you could ignore the team and do your own thing. It's whatever you want. The perfect game. If you're a barbarian, please feel free to do that. If you are uh, any class with a D8 or lower hit die, please do not. <laughs> you get both of you guys, you wizard boys, please stay in the back. Yep. Unless you're a blade singer, I haven't tried that yet. Blade singer is really cool. My friend Simon plays one right now in our current campaign, and he is untouchable. His uh, maximum AC, you know, with shield and 
whatever homebrew we have going on uh is 35 Whew. yeah yeah he keeps asking us to 1v1 him i'm not doing that that's insane why that's would weird. i do that i'm a ranger for context ah okay I mean, that's when you start to give him that, but you also have to start targeting the, the strength saves and the deck saves. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm just going to learn ensnaring shot, keep him in place, and run away. <laughs> that counts as my victory. Fog Cloud has been my saving grace. Nice. Fog Cloud's a good spell. Fog Cloud's a great spell. But And sleep. Sleep. Uh, the sleep spell's been really nice. Yeah. I wish it was, I wish it was stronger. And I feel like it's just not as useful as it could be. It's good early game. It's really yeah. There was there was one scenario. This was the one campaign we played that isn't directly tied to the every other session we've ever played. Uh my roommate actually is one of our members and uh he got bit by a werewolf. We have to cure him, right? Every night until then, we ha- he has to roll to determine whether or not he turns. It happens at midnight, so every night at like 11:50, we would chain him to a tree. And if he turns, we just beat him back into a human. <laughs> it worked. It worked great for three nights. Then we got to a city. It was kind of a city. It was like a plantation. I don't know how it goes this poorly, but I had a great plan. There was a cellar underneath like the main inn. Uh, we steal a couple of kitchen uniforms, walk down there at like 1145. We chain him to like the main supporting pillar. And believe it or not, when we start you know, beating him because he turns that someone hears us. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So we tried to use the sleep spell when the guards came in and it just, it put all of them to sleep except for the the last two. So then we were in big trouble. Then we had to go to an actual big city and we were thrown in jail and had to fight for our bail. It was D and D is fantastic. D and D is amazing. Find your own group. There are also some fantastic pre-written campaign modules. I don't know if you guys have ever played them. I have not, but uh, our, our DMs are, are pretty creative. I think they do basic plot lines from those, but uh, they kind of do their own thing. Yeah. yeah. Most of mine have been homebrew. I was in and out of the out of the abyss, I think is one of them, for mm-hmm. a bit, but that just kind of fizzled out after a while. So that'd be the only official thing. And I think we're about to do whatever the the, the newest critical role one is from Exandria. Yeah. I'm about to be in a campaign with that in a couple of months. Yeah. If you if your DM is taking suggestions, anything written by Matt Mercer, i.e. Critical Role, those are great. Matt Mercer is a genius. Absolutely. Fantastic. If you're just interested in watching D&D, go watch Critical Role. And if you want a significantly smaller uh, commitment, I'm terrible with words today. I played a bard. Can you believe that? And uh, significantly smaller commitment. Just look up anything else. There are hundreds of thousands of D&D streams for you to watch. Uh, College Dropout has good series. They're not. Sometimes they're not actually D&D, though. Dungeons of Drakenheim is a good one. That's new by a couple of YouTube Dungeons & Dragons creators that I follow. They wrote it. It's a really cool book. I don't own it yet, but it is awesome. Horror-filled. It's just great. I could absolutely gush about D&D for hours. But, Christian, is there anything else you wanted to say specifically about Dungeons & Dragons? 
I think at this point, I kind of wanted to ask everyone in the chat a question of what was the most off the rails moment you've had in one of your campaigns? And I'll give you time to think because uh, I've got my answer. Okay. This is coming from the DM side of things. So what was happening is that in the world they were in, they were all supposed to be considered dead, but their patron had taken them out. And now they were traveling across the multiverse to gain items to help fight against Vecna. Uh, and as a result, they ended up in the Dark Tower series. Uh, for those who don't know, that's Stephen King. Of course. Yeah. Um, and they found Roland DeShane there, and he was trying to stop this cult from using a nuclear bomb that they were worshiping to help empower this eldritch abomination. What they were supposed to do after this quest is that they were supposed to go to the Nine Hells and kill a Rakshasa that they had earlier killed, but since because Rakshasas, when they die, they go back to hell and they reborn. One of my players says, well, I know plane shift. Why don't I just plane shift the nuclear bomb where he's at in the ninth layer of hell? And I'm sitting there as the DM's like, how do I stop this? How do I stop this? Nope. Resist that urge. Let them have this win. And now it is canonical in my campaigns that all demons from that layer of hell or devils, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, are now able to do radiant damage because of the radioactive fallout from that nuclear bomb that killed the Rakshasa and really made Asmodeus mad. You're a better man than me. I would not have let that word. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I absolutely would have said as you reach your hands out to plane shift the bomb, you see the faint flickering of glyphs in a circle around the nuclear bomb. Uh, you're very experienced, so you're able to tell that this is anti-magic circle. The bomb does not move. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, a lot of times, I'll let them go for it. Yeah. But if I want that nuke in the ground, it's staying there. Me personally. Yeah. But for me, the craziest moment I think I've ever had uh, we will do these one shots. Uh, these days, my DM lives in Virginia. He makes the drive down here to South Carolina. We play one huge, like 10 hour sh session. The night before, we've started doing these one shots pertinent to the story. And for some reason, so far, all of these just end with us absolutely unleashing on either the current big bad guy or just whatever. Uh, this particular time, like a month ago, it was just a vortex, a swirling vortex. One of my characters, the the Irish-Canadian-Australian character, Sibo, the Deep Gnome, is a mystic. I don't know if either of you guys have ever heard of the mystic, but it was an unearthed arcana class, which is playtest material. I was like, yeah, I want to playtest the mystic. Uh, his character sheet is technically 28 pages long because he can do everything in the character sheet. And there is a really absurd combo that the mystic can do by themselves. Cause I mean, there's a reason they're not an official class. Yes. Yeah. I still think they could be definitely deserves to be. It's so much fun to play, but long story short in two turns, you can use like, 10 different abilities. I won't explain them all. This is a this is a secret for me. I created this combo. I'm gatekeeping <laughs> it. But each of those abilities 
is going to allow you to do seven either d10 or d6 or d8 damage because a lot of them you know most of them use an action or a bonus action some of the mystics abilities use free actions or you can just do it when you hit something like divine smite so i did i think it was i crit it and i was like hey ryan can i please just move this vortex back five feet so it hits the wall that i created behind it and he was like yeah sure whatever uh, you know i don't care which allowed me to do another 14 d6 damage because i crit it i don't remember the official number i'm it, i'm pretty sure it was 830 something it's gracious from my technically one attack technically it was one attack and it was absolutely absurd the only thing I would have changed is I would have brought enough physical dice to do it that way if I knew it was going to happen. Because <laughs> I definitely own enough physical dice to have done it. It just would have taken forever. And that's how I killed the Vortex. Awesome. Yep. Uh, so we were doing uh, one of the, those one-offs that ended up turning into a few weeks of it. Just We just decided to play out the, the one-off adventure. And our DM for the main campaign was a character. He decided to join as a character. And, and Hayden, the guy who is the Warforge guy, um, he uh, uh, he was the DM. And we were we were about to face the big bat. And our DM uh, Ryan, the DM for the main campaign, uh, had this really annoying annoying turtle thing that was his character that would like like set up all the booby traps uh, a few times i cast sleep on him just to shut him up and um and i he goes to open the door where the where the final big bad is and i lock on with my full strength um that was a pillar of fire uh, whatever that one is where you shoot you shoot fire straight forward in a five foot uh five feet wide 30 feet long or something like that and I maxed out at um, uh, like 60 or something like that. And I went straight through him. And I destroyed, we destroyed the, the big bad. And yeah, Murray did not survive. Perfect. <laughs> uh, first, he, uh, yeah, so he, he uh, I, I blew out all of his hit points. And, um, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then he failed. He double failed because he, I think he rolled a double oh, or something like, yeah, double one. And so he just was gone. And then, uh, in memory of him, we ate, we ate him. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. It's good meat. It's, it's a lot of turtle soup. So yeah. that was, uh, but that was not Lorkin. Lorkin's, although he's chaotic, good, uh, uh, his uh, evil twin brother, Florkin, of course, is chaotic evil. Excellent, and he doesn't take any any crap. He just yeah goes yeah. for things. That's like John and Sean Black. Yeah, hopefully no one in the campaign listens to this episode. They don't know about Sean Black yet. I'm just waiting for the right time. <laughs> but it is for reference. Everything I've talked about is at level twenty. So we we love hitting level 20. We're going to do it. Actually, in our current campaign, we're going up to level 30. Oh, so. some variant rules. All right. Oh, yeah. 
but at every level of play except for actually first level, D&D is the most fun you will have gathered around a table, I think. Unless you just really love pool or ping pong. Yeah, they might be tied for me, ping pong and Dungeons and Dragons. But that's saying a lot. And if no one else has anything to add, I think it's about time for our wrap-up today. Because D&D can be literally whatever you want. You can glean whatever philosophical meaning you want from it. So I feel like it would be unfair to just mention one. The game is literally what you make it. So if you like what we're doing here today and you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, We have tons of cool content on there. Uh, Just a ton of stuff. We have special series, C.S. Lewis-focused episodes. Check it out. It's worth it, in my opinion. Uh, If you like to hear more from me, go to, or Christian, or Father Jonathan, go to systematicecology.org and click the drop-down boxes. We'll have, I think we have you guys on there. I'm not sure either way. But thank you so much for supporting the episode. Uh, We couldn't do this without you guys. Special shout out to our current patrons. Definitely couldn't do it without you guys. You keep the lights on and you keep us using this website, which facilitates the whole thing. And remember, we are a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.